This is Suzanne, and you're listening to Paper Cuts on Clock Tower Radio. You're listening to Paper Cuts on Clock Tower Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Cardenbicus, and we have taken the program on the road yet again. We are here in Baltimore at the studio of Hair Club. I'm talking with Suzanne and Kelly in the basement next to an amazing Rizo RP3700 machine. And Hair Club is just relocated from Chicago and setting up the new studio space. So, Kelly, Suzanne, thank you so much for having me here as my voice cracks. This is how happy I am to be here. <laughs> As you're resetting your studio and starting to build up anew. So thanks again for having me. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here in Suzanne's home slash studio. Yeah. In the basement. Yeah, set the basement. stage for us here. We're in the magic basement of your house. How long have you been here for? Uh, we've been here for about um, two and a half months now. Um, and it's really just come together... Over the past few days, um, last weekend was the DC Art Book Fair, and so that was a really great excuse to just like dust off the Rizo and um, make a bunch of new books. Um, the first run um, in in Baltimore, and um, and then over the past few weeks, we've just been really settling in, getting ready to keep making prints and keep uh, putting collaborations that we've had on hold for a little bit um, into action. So it's exciting. And Kelly, do you have a studio space uh, outside of the hair club, Suzanne's basement space? No, I don't. I um, I always say I'm a post-studio artist, and I kind of want that to be funny, but then it never yeah. is. Uh, I feel like I have the wrong inflection, and it's also true, which makes it hard to also be funny. But um, I guess I'm a post-studio artist. Um, so like Suzanne, I have my own practice separate from hair club, separate from this collaboration with uh, Suzanne Gold and Michael Lynn Shoemate. Hey, Michael Lynn. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, like, don't have any money to have a studio. And also I realized I didn't need a studio when I had one. I just kind of used it as, like, a storage space. So I um, like, which I think is one reason why I, um, you know, a hair club is a part of my practice. Um, it's just because it's kind of meandering and it exists mostly in conversation with other people. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's why I don't really feel the need to have a studio space. Cool. That makes sense. Can, can you just give me just a rundown of what hair club actually is? Like when you guys got started, um, and how did it really build up in Chicago, in Chicago before moving here? Sure. Um, yeah, our, we, I have this spiel because so many people sort of, they hear about Hair Club and then they come up to us and they say, what 
is that? What's Hair Club? Um, but basically, um, the spiel is that Hair Club is an ongoing, collaborative, interdisciplinary research-based initiative that started in 2014 in Chicago um, as a four-hour-long coffee conversation between uh, Michael and Shumay Kelly Lloyd and myself. And um, basically has since grown out of a lecture series and exhibitions and um, conversation events we call hair salons um, into um, something that has now spanned uh, cities and um, uh, for my part has really grown into uh, a really exciting uh, publishing uh, adventure uh, where we're sort of collecting hair stories and collaborating with artists and writers and scholars um, and everyone in between uh, to make um, physical objects that sort of commemorate different hair moments or stories or myths. Um, and Hair Club is pretty various, so it could also take, you know, lots of other forms. Um, so we're hoping to keep it going here uh, with more lecture series, more events. Uh, we even do uh, this one event called a Merkin Making Workshop, which is really, really fun. Um, do you guys know what Merkins are? I feel like it should warrant a laugh, but then every time I tell people about this, but then I feel like they don't know. So Merkins are pubic wigs um, that were, (laughs) yeah, that are um, nowadays worn by people like, you know, Kate Winslet in, what was it? The Reader that like, was it The Reader? remember what it was called so i guess the story is is that hollywood starlets have to do so much waxing that they just like can't even really grow like a full bush for like period pieces and so they have to (laughs) um so they have to create them they have to fabricate them and then like glue them on and um or tape um and um so that's what a merkin is and um so in chicago we had our first merkin making workshop um, lots of ribbon and fabric. Um, uh, one of our, Michael Lynn Shoemate does work specifically with hair and mermaids, and she oh, couldn't cool. be there. And so Suzanne made her a mermaid merkin, which was so beautiful. And then we also made a collaborative merkin for um, Alyssa Tenney, who is now the current president of the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Uh, so she has one of uh, Hair Club's merkins. It's like the most luxe. <laughs> And beautiful and like Made luxurious like object. Pad. Yeah, and so um, yeah, American. Oh, and then we listened to Kate Bush while we were um, while we were uh, doing it. So hopefully in Baltimore we'll we'll be able to have another American making workshop. Yeah, you definitely should. We should. So it's <laughs> I love super the idea fun. that like it's out of necessity that they can't grow a full bush that they have yeah, to now. Sure. When I always thought of it as like more of a modesty issue, you know. So if they have to do like a nude yeah. scene, but they don't want to be like fully exposed, they can wear yeah. a merkin that looks very yeah. realistic, and then yeah. it kind of feels like so that a is compromise. Like, there are so many reasons for a merkin, yeah. really. So many. <laughs> <laughs> Just pure decoration, you know. Uh, so. So. What's the discussion like during the workshops? So it's the workshop for actually producing the Merkins, but then is there a like history of Merkins? Is there a zine that comes out of this? That we, God, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. How much research is then put into this? Yeah, um, I think it was more just a, um, you know, because the majority of our our 
uh, work as Hair Club is around facilitating conversations. Yeah. And so I think that the Merkin Making Workshop was really just a chance for us to like create with other people. Um, and so, um, but maybe we should, I mean, we've got like a really nice spread of photographs of the Merkins. Um, I myself made a pizza Merkin, which I am very <laughs> impressed by. Pizzas are basically the same shapes as Merkins anyways. Yeah. So um, we should definitely turn all those into a book, maybe. We are thinking of actually turning the Merkins that came out of that workshop into a calendar. Oh, that would be And then having models model the Merkins in, like, these beautiful sort of environments and, um, and then printing them as a calendar. So that's... Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The new year is coming. It's, it's like coming perfect rapidly. Time yes, 2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, uh, my monthly Merkin. That's the so calendar. Good. So good. Yeah. So Kelly, you were talking a little bit about like your own practice and how it dovetails with uh, Hair Club. I'd love to actually hear you both talk about um, your individual practices and how that works with Hair Club and how things like either intersect or grow out of each other. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, this is the reason why Michael and Shoemate initially organized us, is because she is a good friend of both of us and had been around our own personal practices and knew how hair was something that we had been thinking about and processing. Um, and so it really was something that was pre-existing that we were able to like attach to one another through. So I am African American and um, being in majority white institutions, um, learning about art, um, it's always a struggle to figure out how exactly you can talk about your lived experience without um, being cornered about it. And so I became really interested and I was doing a lot of um, like found object sculptures and I'm always interested in, it's like I kind of hate it when people say they're interested in the body, you know, it's like all the things that we make are with our bodies. So technically all art I think is kind of about the body, Um, even if it's just about about like the limitations of the body versus the machine or something like that. So um, I'm interested in the body and, um, and in... A lot of African-American art, you can see how, um, you know, hair was used as a stand-in for race. Um, So in a way, you could talk about a kind of collectivity as well as, like, your own personal experience through um, creating um, works with hair. So, like, some of the artists that have done it, uh, Nick Cave, actually, at the Museum of Contemporary Art, had a pair of hairbrushes that were up in the most recent Surrealism exhibit. Um, And it was literally just, like, a brush with hair in it, you know. Yeah. And uh, so hairbrushes. Um, he also had some hairballs, which are, again, just balls of hair. Um, another artist that I think initially kind of piqued my inst- interest was, um, I think, was it, was it Mark Bradford, whose, um, I think, mother had a hair salon. And so he created some work that um, was these, um, I think it was like, one was a helicopter that was made out of this pal- pomade. Is that what it's called? Like hair pomade? Mm-hmm. And um, also for this one art fair, he brought in a a trailer where he had people from his mother's hair salon cut people's hair. So I became really interested as an African-American about the ways in which hair were being used by other African-Americans in order to stand in for something that we can't easily talk about. Um, And then that moment kind of also got played out. Like I remember... um, talking with one of my professors, Hamza Walker, who is the most recent curator of the um, L.A. Biennial, um, Made in L.A. And he, during one crit, said something like, um, oh, it's over. Like, hair is over. (laughs) Um, And so that's been like a 
fascinating thing for me to think about, like, how is it that, like, a natural product of one's body can have, like, a cultural moment and then be over? Yeah. And then, like, hair can no longer be talked about or used in any art again, which, um, you know, obviously through, um, we did a, a show um, at the Flaxman Library uh, at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, which all three of us attended, um, collecting works from all of the, from graduate students as well as undergraduate students using hair, um, kind of showing that it's not over. You know, everybody's yeah. still using hair and it still has this incredible potency in it within art, even though maybe um, there wasn't a strong moment of it that has since subsided. Um, so that's kind of how, what else is like my, that was a lot of words. Um, so that's one of the, the ways in which my personal practice has connected to and led me to Hair Club. Yeah, and I, I guess for me, my um, my focus um, at SAIC was um, in writing. Uh, and then I also crept up on the fiber and material studies department a lot. Um, but so I've always been interested in the meandering conversation surrounding hair um, and just meandering conversations in general um, and also stories and collecting stories. Um, and it sort of became apparent to me that the longer that we did these um, events, um, the more opportunities there were to um, collect and hold an archive um, these hair stories. Yeah. And so this also for me grew with the like my growing interest in printmaking and in like book structures and um, thinking about um, the ways that um, books can be containers for different kinds of stories. And so um, this all kind of came up together um, at the same time. And that's when I really started to be interested in capturing uh, the things that we were talking about uh, in hair club events and hair club meetings and um, things that we were learning um, through other people um, into books. And so we have like a list of people who, um, of collaborations, we always think of these, um, these books are definite collaborations, usually someone else's content, their story, their writing, um, or um, their interest or whatever it is, their um, uh, like proclivity or their medium, whatever it is, how, whatever they're bringing to the table, that it gets incorporated into these, um, these book projects. And, um, that's really sort of how hair club has sort of crashed into my practice and really kind of yeah. made it kind of grow into this new and exciting thing. And, um, something that, um, uh, Al, Alison Crowley and I have um, been talking about lately is, uh, starting a press of our own. We have our, uh, you know, little Riza over here and, um, the capability to do screen printing and all sorts of other block printing, um, and so we are have been talking about starting a press um, for a long time here. So Hair Club has been like this really great um, entry into um, the world of kind of making your own books and making your own print objects. So would the uh, would the press be an extension of Hair Club or a separate thing that is then publishing Hair Club books? I think that it would probably be, it would hopefully eventually grow to kind of in, include Hair Club. Hair Club is definitely its own thing that's sort of growing over here, but um, hopefully um, the new press, which um, I'm pretty sure we've decided is called Fuzzy Muzzle Press, um, to include and encompass everything that Hair Club represents. Yeah. Um, and inspired, of course, by Lucy. Shout out to Lucy. Um, I think that it would end up sort of 
including Hair Club, um, which would continue to exist in its own thing. Anything that, um, any stories or any collaborations that are hair-related would continue to be published with <laughs> Hair Club. Um, but this would allow us to pursue other stories and other narratives, and um, and so that's exciting as well. And are the events the like, main location where uh, where you are collecting stories, or is this also open for people to send like email submissions, or... Does it grow out of other conversations as well? Totally, yeah. Um, we we tend to locate in wherever we can, you know, find a place to have a conversation or an event. Um, but I think we're also trying to grow into like a more of a like a com- digital community where we can um, share stories um, through our website and uh, an email list and things like that, and um, have. Um, people who aren't, you know, at our events uh, be able to reach out and, you know, talk to us about collaborations and working together, which is always what we want and hope for. Yeah, like at the DC Book Fair, um, Suzanne had something that was one of our first things that we created together, which, which was the question, question hair. Um, and, um, uh, you know, free for people to take, hopefully, um, to, you know, write in, like send us pictures um, or like send them in to us. So as you were talking, I was really thinking about how Hair Club is somehow both like content and vessel. And so um, the way that we've really treated Hair Club has just been this this bowl that we got funding through um, to be able to like funnel like pita chips and hummus in the direction of <laughs> of our friends so that we can all like sit down for several hours and then just really talk about um, all the things that hair connects to. So hair connects to everything. Yeah. So we've talked about, you know, I started get, getting really interested in, um, I remember there was this BuzzFeed article that talked about heroines um, who didn't have armpit hair. So like, um, you know, Sigourney Weaver in Aliens, like she doesn't have, she's supposed to be this like fairly masculine character, but yet she still doesn't have any body hair. Yeah. Or like Natalie Portman in V for Vendetta. Like, isn't she locked up? for like half the movie but somehow she also has a razor and she gets to like shave off all of her body hair (laughs) or like zombies you know it's like apparently zombies have the time to shave off their body hair too and so like through bringing that to the attention of um one of in one of our hair salons then that really started a uh, a vector of uh, investigation for me into um body hair and um politics of like displaying power as like um you know um somebody a female presentation and um so um it's it's funny how you can just create an occasion saying hair but then something that we found is that because hair connects to so many different things so many personal political things you know we talked about the election and the politics of like Donald Trump you know the poli- like his politics as displayed by his hair Donald Trump's yeah. politics as displayed through his hair like well before there was a New York Times article about it and I remember like uh, sending Suze a picture and then being like we totally had them by like two months <laughs> like we totally should have published something and so some of our conversations definitely just kind of go off into the ether and attach to other things in each one of our lives and then I think um, you know these books really are an opportunity to collect some of these stories and to have them um but um we also have other other bits of writing here and there that we try to do and and hair is content like one of my friends approached me about doing a radio podcast and so i was like oh hey hair club what should we do and then i don't even know how we started talking about it but 
Um, what we did is we started talking about like the dumb blonde stereotype and what that was about. And then I have a friend who is Swedish and her has like a Swedish, Swedish American. And so we turned the whole thing into a conversation with her family, all of whom are blondes. Yeah. And so it was like a hair club's <laughs> conversation with the Raybergs about uh, the blonde, dumb blonde stereotype. And we were able to have this really beautiful, you know, hour long conversation about like the, this thing that uh, they know more about and has affected their lives in so many different ways than than us just kind of guessing about it. So hair has definitely been this thing that we can, um, you know, if we need some content, we can be like, oh, hair. But then we also know that hair connects to so many other things. So it really can just be this vessel that gets us from, you know, one place to another or um, enables us to meet people like you um, to, like, have a further conversation. Yes. I mean, it's a really great entry point that can open up so many topics of conversation. Yeah. And I... I also wanted to ask you a little bit about, uh, since you're now like restarting or like almost rebuilding a community here in Baltimore about um, site, specific, site specificity and locality when you are having these conversations or when you are developing uh, publication product or projects and having having events. And I'm sure that there's differences between the like Chicago family and community that you built up and the people you're speaking to now in Baltimore as you're trying to build up a new community. So how are you uh, approaching that? Like, is that a challenge? Is that something that you're doing in a different way than when you were in Chicago? Yeah, it's a really great question. Um, and in certain ways, I mean, because Hair Club is really motivated so much um, content-wise um, and topic-wise by the people that we have in the room with us, um, having those conversations. Um, I'm really excited to see how the conversation changes. And there are certain things that have become hallmarks of the conversation that, um, started in Chicago that I always bring forward, but it always ends up sort of growing beyond that because of different people's, um, experience. Um, so in many ways it sort of remains to be seen, like we wouldn't bring, um, something new to the table, necessarily um intentionally but we would sort of be delighted to see what comes up in future conversations but then there's like like always the question right now you know especially in this political climate and in you know in the wake of um the election last week um i've been talking to a lot of um, different artists and kelly and i've talked about this too like what work can come after yeah this um, and this is a question that I bring to my own practice, but also would bring to hair club. Um, and there's so many hair stories, um, surrounding, um, you know, queerness and, um, you know, Kelly touched on a few, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, uh, African American issues with hair and, um, just so many different ways of approaching the conversation that now feels like there's even more of a, an opportunity to to veer into more difficult conversations or more political conversations um, that bring to light um, different people and their hair stories. And this could be a way in to those, uh, making those struggles or those um, triumphs or those, you know, those moments um, print and making them sort of 
public and um, and spreading them all around. And you know, sharing sharing stories to me is always a way that I um, feel is like the, one of the best ways to connect with other people. And so, I, as I'm sort of moving forward and being here and being close to DC, and um, I want to sort of uh, talk to people and see if they have any hair stories that you know because hair is so personal and yet it's so universal as well. So, you know, everyone sort of has to deal with issues of maintaining their hair or growing hair or, um, you know, it's something that everyone can connect to. Is that Lucy? Um, That's Lucy. That's Lucy. Yes. She's got a lot to say about it. Um, so it's it's an exciting prospect um, to um, to think about how we can also use Hair Club to start new conversations and to you know move beyond um, the election and keep talking about hair and keep talking about um, you know marginalized communities um, through that subject. So yeah, I'm excited to see what comes out um, of conversations. Moving forward. This is Kelly, and you're listening to Paper Cuts on Clock Tower Radio. Actually, before we started recording, we were talking about uh, hair and hair club and the the inability to exhaust the idea of of hair and all the topics that opens up. And we've also spoken about a like post hair era where like hair is dead. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hair is dead. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I like it. So, I mean, how do you? I mean, obviously, you are going to be continuing to tell stories uh, about hair because hair is not dead. <laughs> it's still still prevalent. Um, but I am really interested in the idea of storytelling through books and through printmaking and these uh, like more democratic and ubiquitous modes of art making. Um, and since we're now like in a print shop that is newly set up, and there's silk screens here, and there's the risograph, and there's like blocks to be carving. Um, can you talk a little bit about your your attitudes toward towards printmaking, or like why printmaking, why produce multiples? Mm. There's a lot of ands that I just threw together and then yeah. ended with a question, so you can pick up at any one of those points if you'd like to. Yeah, I mean it's funny because I I don't print even though I use printed matter um, in multiples, so it's still this is definitely a question that I'm still thinking about, and I um, haven't really tapped into hair club that much? I don't know. Sorry, this is a new question. I'm, yeah. like, still trying to figure out. Um, well, for example, um, for my MFA thesis show at the School of the Art in Sioux, Chicago, I did a piece that I've done multiple times um, at this point, which has a um, brochure rack full of 28 brochures that um, have nothing inside of them. And um, the brochures you can take with you. Um, and one of my most popular brochures was one that said, where the fuck is my bag of hair? 
um, which came just straight out of my um, <laughs> like a studio practice where I have a bag of hair in my studio yeah. um, just in case I need it. Or I had when I had a studio. Now I just have a bag of hair like in a drawer somewhere, which is somehow creepier than in my studio. <laughs> Maybe that's why people have studio practices so that they can have like all their creepy materials in a place that seems like professional. So that was, you know, where the fuck is my bag of hair? And then, so it was a personal problem that then turned into like this weird moment that maybe people could connect to and so they took the brochure or maybe they took the brochure just because they thought it was like a weird combination of things that had never happened to them but um in making these brochures and in making them available to people I've been able to see how um you know I go to my friends houses or I go to professors houses and then I get to see the selection of brochures that they've taken um and so it's kind of like social research too like to see if you make multiples of something like to see where they end up like who has what yeah um, and how they collect together into somebody's like uh, general art collection. Um, and so that's been something that I think is really powerful about printed matter and about multiples um, in my own practice. And I guess like part of that was hair club. But with the printmaking in books, it really is like Suze's, it's like your department or something. <laughs> so you should be talking with her. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, I love that. I mean, I've been trying to, as Kelly's talking, I've been trying to, like, construct some sort of, like, grand metaphor for, you know, the way that we talk a lot about how, like, we all have hair, and, like, hair is cool when it's, like, here, and it's, like, attached to you, and we, like, fetishize it, and we, like, nourish it, and wash it, and brush it, Um, but as soon as it's, like, off and into the world, it's, like, commingling with everyone else's, like, weird, like, debris, and it becomes, like, gross and strange and part of, like, (laughs) something that we call dirt (laughs) or dust. Um, And how that, in my head, was a positive metaphor um, for printmaking (laughs) (laughs) and multiples. Um, I just, like, love the way we talk in Hair Club about, like, the collaborative aspect of it and like the co-mingling aspect of it and the way that some people have hair stories that are absolutely distinct to their culture or their experience or um, their own practice or whatever it is. And then yet there are always stories that everyone shares um, about hair. And so there's something to me about multiples um, that is related to that to me um, in that um these are stories that may be unique to a certain individual or certain perspective um, or a group of individuals. And yet when people get to like sort of hold them and like own them and like take them home and flip through them and read them, um, they're like commingling with that story and making it um, even more universal. Um, And also just when we have um, books about hair that um, people really do connect with, um, that's a really awesome moment too. Um, at the at the book fair, it was really cool because when it's hair, it, it always feels like a social experiment. Yeah. Um, and it was really cool to see what people connected with. Um, uh, this book that I just printed up, um, Remnants, is a basically an anthology of grooming aftermath, and it's only like three or four scenes of like moments and I notice in my personal life there's like hair off my body and somewhere in my house um so like there's like a 
uh, like a rolled up piece. I have long curly hair, so there's like a like a rolled up like little hairball, and then there's like the evidence of like plucking my eyebrows or of like shaving my legs in the tub. Um, it was really great to see, uh, and this was like part of my intention, but it was really good to see how um, those moments, and especially with hair, are like not gendered. Um, that it's something that. Um, um, you know, people identifying as any gender can, like, come up and sort of see their own ritual with hair in those images and pick them up. And those were really exciting moments of connection for me. And I got to watch it because I made the book and then, you know, got to see people sort of browsing through. Um, But that's what Hair Club means to me is, like, connecting with people who um, have these hair stories and um, being able to do it more tacitly, you know, um, in like the privacy of flipping through pages and watching sort of the recognition dawn on people's faces um, is super cool. Or, or you know, uh, we had a bunch of prints that were basically, they're called ladyscapes, um, but they're basically like reimagined um, like topiaries for um like pubic hair and there are some they were meant to be like funny but there are some who you know that were people walked by and they were just like yes that's me or you know (laughs) um there's one that um and those are drawn by um Alison Crowley and one that she drew that's like in the shape of a bunny and this one woman came up and just like pointed at it and just said it's like looking in a mirror and walked away. And it was amazing. And it really, because it's like hair is something that can make people uncomfortable a little bit, um, but it's also such a point of connection. Um, being able to not only talk about hair and um, not only like present um, work that is in, in an ex- exhibition setting, which like you take in in a very sort of different way and... Um, and sparks a different kind of conversation or there are different, like, uh, zones of conversation. Um, when you have books or when you have prints, um, it feels, it's just, it sparks new connection and new conversation. And then people get to take a piece of that conversation home with them and add it to their own collection. Um, and that's just, like, uh, part of why I'm really excited to keep printing these stories and making them available to lots of people and and also just like the conceptual for me it's always about the conceptual the connection of the story that we want to tell and the way that it's transmitted um literally in terms of like um a story in sequence that you know the pages turn at the pace of like the readers in control of the pace um and so the way that uh that print has an opportunity to be handled and to be sort of messed with and played around with um, is another thing that I think about when I'm choosing with my collaborator, um, you know, what kind of book to put the story into. Yeah, like material and visceral connection with a reader, I think, is one of the most important and exciting things with bookmaking and printmaking totally. and being able to... Uh, then take that thing home or like right. have a deeper connection that expands outside that initial conversation, I think is one of the great powers of this, of this medium. Totally. Um, how can people connect to hair club? Well, we have, um, a website. We actually have two websites right now. We're, we're in transition in every single <laughs> way. Um, Digital transition, physical transition. Yeah. yeah, I think that, like one of the ways that the print part of Hair Club started was we had a um, 
basically like a WordPress site, like a blog um, for Hair Club for like two years that, um, you know, Kelly and Michael and I would take turns um, adding to, sort of like putting writing into it or putting images or just anecdotes, things we notice um, into it and eventually sort of wanted to kind of burst out of that the screen um, from that and realize that, you know, other people wanted to bring other voices into the, the narrative. Um, so we do have still have the blog site and that's still live, um, but we have a new website where we're sort of capturing everything and documenting and archiving um, Hair Club. And that's um, Hair Club, something really clunky, Hair club on Wix. Um, but we're also on Facebook, and that's a great way to keep track of our events. And we like have an archive of photos there of past things that we've done. Um, and um, yeah, hair club SAC at Gmail is another way to get in touch with us as well. And we get a lot of um, hair stories through that and also yeah. through the questionnaire, which has our email address on it. So Lots of various ways to get get a hold of <laughs> Hair Club, and soon we will like officially enter the um, you know the full internet landscape of you know Twitter and Instagram and all of those other things. But and there'll be some uh, time in between the recording of this and when it actually airs. So by that time, I'm sure we can actually just list everything cool. on all the website. We can definitely yeah. Do so yeah. if you're listening to this at home, uh, just click below the audio file and you'll see all the uh, all the links available um is there an event planned coming up in baltimore no i mean we've definitely gotten support for the merkin making um so maybe that'll be our next event hair salons are also just kind of super easy to do um so maybe we'll do a hair salon maybe we'll do a merkin um we don't have anything planned yet in baltimore but we should we'll 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 figure it out that will also be in the Link yeah. below. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, well, Suzanne, Kelly, thank you so much for talking with me and telling me all about Hair Club. This was really, really wonderful. Super wonderful. Thank you for yeah, talking with you. us. Yes. Yeah, nice this is awesome.